and welcome to Big Game Hunger, a show where me and a guest craft the big next game every episode. We'll be taking three random ingredients and blending them together into one incredible game. I'm Jenna Stieber, and I crave content. And I'm joined by Phil Salvador. Hello. Phil. Hi! Hi! <laughs> I didn't prompt you at all to say anything at that moment. <laughs> well, I'm here. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Who are you and what do you have a hunger for? Well, I am the library director at the Video Game History Foundation, so I'm, I'm building our collection of exciting video game history materials for researchers for. And I was thinking about this question of what I'm hungry for. Have you ever had a century egg before? No, I'm familiar with the concept vaguely. Okay. For folks who don't know what this is, it is an egg. This is like a Chinese side dish you can get at some restaurants. Uh, it's a like an egg that has been preserved in, I think traditionally it's like clay and lime, but I'm sure it's just some chemicals now. But uh, it is the, it comes out this very weird like crystalline brown color with like a blue-gray <laughs> jelly yolk. And I understand it's an acquired taste even within the communities that enjoy it. Um, but it's an experience trying the century egg. It has a very unique and unusual flavor and smell profile. And it's it's great because it's it's one egg like you're not committing yourself to a whole dish it's one egg and it's this kind of unusual sensory experience and i realized i want more things in my life i'm hungry for more things in my life that are like the experience of having a century egg okay. where it's like this thing that pushes you outside a normal sensory experience something you maybe hadn't considered but it's only one egg it's not something you have to like make a big commitment to so we're talking like a three-hour experimental game i want i want the century egg of video ah. games is what i want Wow. Phil, what a strong pitch. What a strong opening pitch, Phil. I love that. I hope we come back with a century egg when this is all said and done. I hope so too now. I've never eaten a century egg. I do see them a lot of times when I go, when I'm in like an Asian market shopping for, for like black vinegar or whatever I need. Uh, and I'm always like, maybe next time. And it never has been next time, but maybe Maybe next time, Phil. You got it after this, after Do this. Do you, I, it's going to be on my mind now. Is the thing that you crave a literal century egg or the experience of experiencing a, a century egg? The experience, I think. <laughs> I don't necessarily want a game where I'm like, oh, this has kind of like an ammonia aftertaste. It's like, no, no, I want the experience of <laughs> something I had not encountered before that I am now trying for the first time in a brief encounter. Okay. Yeah, you're running the risk so close that we make something that has literal century egg implications. Uh, <laughs> but we don't, I mean, maybe. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. I'll keep Crossing it on fingers my list. On that. Okay. I think we could do it. I think we could do something that has a literal, <laughs> a literal century I, egg I'm really it. terrified what that even means, but we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. But I don't think that that doesn't mean we should shy away from that, the p possibilities there. Okay. Okay. So in the first segment of the show, we roll a three D20s and pick three ingredients, a premise, an adjective, and a type of gameplay. We could also, we don't have to roll an adjective if we want. We could just go with century egg. Uh, or I could roll it, and then we could decide if we want to deal with it or not. I think let's roll it, and if we can find a way to make it Century Egg-esque, I think that's uh, that's acceptable. Okay. I love I love the conceptual challenge of trying to, to capture the Century Egg vibe. Um, <laughs> that you've really brought some energy to the table, Phil, and I'm super here for it. Okay. All right. I have rolled a 2, an 18, and a 2. for mm. So on my listing... The three words we have are cryptids, flirty, 
and triple A action adventure. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to pitch to you immediately. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm going to pitch to you immediately that we should re-roll type of gameplay because I think triple A action adventure is the exact opposite of what you've suggested. Exactly. Yeah. I also don't know like what the like 80 hour map game version of like the Mothman dating sim game is. I don't really know what. Yeah. No, no. Let's give that one a re-roll. Okay. 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 You're excited about that concept, but. I'm extremely excited about the words flirty and cryptid for <laughs> sure. For sure I am. Uh, all right. The al- alternate gameplay option we got is Zelda alike, which I think could have, we could do some fun things there if we think about some of the more experimental aspects of the Zelda franchise. I I could see getting something like this on Itch.io. Yeah, I think there's something that can be worked with in there for sure. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, So our our three concepts are cryptid, flirty, Zelda alike, but with a with a f- kind of funky century egg vibe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> does that sound does that sound doable? Does that sound obtainable? I think it's attainable and I'm already having some thoughts about how the cryptid aspect plays into this. Okay, interesting. Well, d- don't hold back. Tell me. How does the cryptid aspect play into this? I think when we hear cryptid and flirty, I think automatically it's like, okay, you're going to be like, you know, <laughs> dating Bigfoot or something like that. I think the energy is, I think it's a game where you play as a cryptid and the goals are not something that makes sense to humans. I think you're making a Zelda like where you are like, I don't know what Mothman collects, but like souls, I don't know, something like that, where there's just this this barrier between <laughs> what you expect out of a game like that. You seem to know more about cryptids than I do, so I want to follow your lead on this one. Okay, yeah, the, this is the this is a weakness of the spreadsheet at this moment. I, as I'm I'm gonna ask you at the end to add a, a word to the spreadsheet that will hopefully diversify our options and make them less genocentric. But <laughs> as you can tell by the three words we have gotten this time, cryptid, flirty, and Zelda like this is a very genocentric <laughs> Jenna created spreadsheet. I love the idea of yes, I love the swerve of not going for the low hanging fruit, which is a cryptid dating game, which I would still also love to play. Um, but going for something where we are a cryptid is a really fun concept, Phil. Uh, what are cryptids motivated by? Well, Phil, it's quite a mystery, isn't it? Much like humans, it, it varies pretty broadly from cryptid to cryptid. You mentioned Mothman, and Mothman is an interesting one because <laughs> he typically appears a moments or or in a, a span of time before a great disaster, and he his. Oh, the way we humans interpret what he does is that we interpret it as him trying to warn us of a large disaster. So the Silver Bridge collapsing, which is a real disaster that actually happened in West Virginia, uh, is is the big one that people point to. But other cryptids are a lot more mysterious. I, I think, like humans, they're just trying to kind of live their lives, and you know, just trying to just trying to to get out there. And I'm thinking, of, I keep thinking of jackalopes. Are you familiar with the jackalope? Is that what that people often have up in bars, like the fake jackalope head? That's am I thinking of the right creature there? Yes, it's a rabbit okay. with antlers. It's very simple. It's a very simple, clean cut cryptid. I think that one just wants grass 
and maybe a burrow that's big enough that its antlers can fit in, which I'm just thinking through the uh, ecological implications of, and that's pretty stressful. See, when I'm thinking about what would make an interesting Zelda-type cryptid game, this is not exactly a cryptid. Yeah. I'm just going to assume you're an X-Files fan, and the thought I immediately yeah. went to was like a, like a Jeffrey Tomb scenario, where it's like, it's just, they're acquiring Ooh. things, and it's not clear why. I'm trying to think of what would fit into that mold. Okay. They're okay, yeah. No, I think that's a good instinct because, like, well, is the is the Zelda like aspect? I'm I'm trying to incorporate because, like, when I think of like the weird the weirdest stuff that Link does in the Zelda games <laughs> and how those could map on cryptid behavior, I think about like breaking pots everywhere mm. he goes. He busts up everybody's uh, stoneware, so that feels like that's a pretty a pretty bizarre cryptid thing that could have an explanation, but also simply could not. I, li uh, I like this idea of a game. Now, now you're mentioning this where it's like things that get attributed to cryptid where it's like showing up in unusual scenarios, like something where you're motivated to do that. And it's not really clear why, but that's the objective. Like, yeah, of course you go into someone's house and break pots. I think that's, I'm liking this direction. Okay. Are there other things that Link does that are kind of inexplicable if you're somebody who lives in Link's world. Because, I mean, if we're talking about, like, playing as a cryptid, you're mm -hmm. probably a cryptid in human world, right? Yeah. So, like, the things that cryptids do are impossible to us. What are some things that, as, that you would do in a Zelda-like game that would be absolutely inexplicable from the outside? I mean, I'm picturing even just like Link solving puzzles where he's like moving boxes around. I think making an environment that ad is as domestic <laughs> and human as possible where like you have some objective, but it involves like moving someone's TV into a yard and jumping on it, like something in that direction. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like this. And but is it is it secret? Is it secret from the player character who is playing as a cryptid, is it secret what these objectives are trying to do until the end? I don't know that it's... Okay, well, he, my first thought was, I don't know that it's ever clear, and it's just like arbitrary game objectives that make you into some kind of societal menace. But I think we need to start thinking about that second adjective, flirty. <laughs> I think we need to start thinking about what the motivation is here. Perhaps <laughs> perhaps the cryptid is after love in some way, and this is their unusual way of expressing or pursuing that. Is it like when you're watching like nature shows and they show a bird whose way of flirting with their mate is making like really elaborate patterns in the dust or things like that? Is our crap circles wait a minute? Oh our my crop god. Circles. <laughs> Are crop circles <laughs> just a cryptid's it's, way of flirting the, with something too large for us to parse? The cryptid's way of like sending the moon a DM with a meme and being like, hey, did you like that? Did you like the thing I just sent you? <laughs> oh my god. I think oh I think God. we're onto something. Yeah, our cryptid bigger, our cryptids. This is bigger than the game now, I think. <laughs> Yeah, we're on we're on some like History Channel. Uh, the pyramids are made by aliens. Sort of sort of vibe. I love the idea of crop circles as uh, yeah, sliding into the DMs of an elder god. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> uh, man, how confused would an elder god be if they looked to the planet and saw the Great Wall of China from space? And they're like, I don't know, I don't know how to parse that emoji. I'm, I'm getting mixed signals from this me. continent. This is real weird. <laughs> You were, babe, you were so hot when you were Pangea. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like all of your landmasses are so distant now. Uh, I think there's something here for sure. I think, 
making it clear to the player that this is a perhaps one directional cryptid love expression simulator in which they are terrorizing some domestic <laughs> area, I think is the direction this game is going in. I think this is brilliant. I think this is brilliant. But here's, a, here's an important question. Okay. Does, okay, I already kind of touched on this. Does the player character who's playing as the cryptid know what they are building to or is it is this the final like after you've done this for three hours is the punchline to this game you are sending a flirty earth-sized <laughs> or a city-sized or or whatever how, however scale we want to make it text to the moon hmm so i feel like there's two ways to go about that maybe more the thought I'm having yeah. immediately is thinking about something like Tunic, where like you are able to communicate a narrative mm. without it being in any literal language. And I'm thinking like on the one hand, maybe this is like mm. expressed to the player in a weird way where it's not clear exactly what's happening, but it's clear they are trying to perform this unusual task. Or it could be a scenario where it is spelled out to the player, but you just find ways in the gameplay to accentuate the fact that this is really weird and that people don't understand why you're doing this and what's happening. It's funny that you mentioned Tunic. I think Tunic is a really good example of a Zelda-like that we should aim for, because there's a lot of stuff in Tunic that's pretty imparsable. Uh, I like. I remember the first time getting to the area where there's like they have like laser guns and stuff, and being like, "What? What is this? Is <laughs> not my mom's Zelda alike?" <laughs> uh, but I like I like that aspect of it, and I think that's something we can pull into our one directional cryptid love sim. Uh, the idea that like. There's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense and will never make sense in this game, but there should be enough that kind of gestures towards the fact that you're trying to woo the moon. Uh, I think that I think we should not make it explicit, but it, that can be like part of people's fan theories and the fan discussion of the game. Yeah, I think I can think of individual elements where it's like create a pile of 100 goat carcasses. Like maybe that falls outside the realm of <laughs> Zelda like, but like I could imagine that in a context where it's like, yeah, that is this flirty behavior from the cryptid. Uh, and, you know, just don't need to explain why that's flirty in this cryptid's universe. That just it just is. I think that makes total. I you don't think that makes total sense as a flirty behavior. It's like I mean, a it's like a sacrifice to the moon, but like a lot. I have someone piled up a hundred goat carcasses outside my window. I mean, all bets are <laughs> off. But I love the idea of Mothman love bombing the moon. <laughs> really strong, Phil. Uh, I love that. Okay. This is uh, the the last episode I recorded with Janet Garcia. We made a, a Fast and Furious WarioWare game. So there's a lot of little mini games. I think this is going to have Ooh. kind of a similar similar overlap where it feels like there's going to be a lot of imparsable little mini games in this. Would you is that kind of the vibe you want, or do you want something that's more structured like a Zelda? I think you can do both. I think it can be more structured like a Zelda. Because like Zelda in its own way is these these little episodic scenes where it's like you're going to this dungeon to get the whatever medallion. And I think, at least thinking about like, you know, traditional Zeldas, but I think you can do something similar where it's like this dungeon happens to be like a Walmart or something. And your goal <laughs> is to, you know, you know, something like that. I think that there's a way you can do both where you do have these individual inexplicable moments, but structured with these sort of like, you know, half non-linear Zelda style approach where you have these discrete areas you go into to perform tasks. Okay, I love that. That's another such another good angle aspect of the Zelda like that there's there's sort of self-contained areas where you have to sort of figure out 
uh, how I guess how explicit do we want to be with the things that you need to do? Or is it this sort of a because there's the untitled goose game of it all, mm. uh, which is where you just sort of like fuss around until you get the the right thing to happen. Do we want something like that or do we want more explicit goals? I mean, oh man, Goose Game is also a really good comparison point because that's one where, I mean, I guess in that one it's clear the Goose's goal is mayhem, but it's also a case where it's like, <laughs> all right, you're just going to ruin these people. Here's five things to do to ruin these people's lives. I think it could be something similar where it's like, again, I'm trying to think of other locations and dungeons where this makes sense besides like, you know, a Walmart or something, like a county fair or something like that, where you you know it, it's all right your goal is to go in here you have a list of things you need to reform or something you need to retrieve okay. um i think you can get explicit about it without explaining to the player the rationale for any of it i think it's possible to do both of those things okay no i think you're right phil i think we can trust our audience uh, especially the audience that is going to be into this flirty cryptid game to to i i think i maybe that i think the untitled goose game has a good structure here where it is like it'll give you the objective but not always tell you how to achieve that objective and so i i like the idea that there are some objectives where it's just like you have to uh, create a pile of 100 goat carcasses and then it's like well i've got a good idea how to do that which is i need to find 100 goats and get busy it's like it's like the skulls <laughs> it's like yeah you just gotta fight him around yes yes oh i love that okay i love the idea of this zelda like having both dungeon areas but also like through lines where like the Skulltula, you don't go to one place and do that. It's just something that you sort of compile as you're playing the whole game and going to all of these little locations. And I think it also leans into these sort of sociopathic qualities of Link we were talking about, where it's like, why is Link going around mass murdering spiders? <laughs> it's like, you know, when you do this in a cryptid form as like a flirt to the moon, it's weird as hell. So yeah, I think there are, there are other... I can't think of them off the top of my head, but other kind of long-running Zelda quest or task things that, yeah, when put in another context, is real weird behavior. I mean, yeah, there's you've got like the seashell collecting, which is a thing that happens in Link's Awakening, or like the some of the extended fetch quests where you have a thing and you're trying to bounce it around to a bunch of different people. So I think there's, yeah, I think there's something really strong there. In in and that would make this a more holistic, less WarioWare esque sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good idea. What and you want? So are you imagining? You're imagining this happening in like a a normal small city, right? Where there are Walgreens and there's like coffee shops and and everything is is very recognizable. And that is as as sort of a way to heighten the bizarreness of the cryptids' behavior. Is that sort of where you're at? Yeah, I'm picturing this taking place in, like, King of Prussia, in some place where, like, there's some <laughs> residential, but also just a lot of, like, constructed spaces that are kind of infringing on what was once nature. <laughs> oh, I love that. Our cryptid has been displaced by a mall and so has to and no longer has access to the the leaves and plants and trees and fields that they would once have had to create their crop circles of love so they have to mm. they have to resort to getting those pieces from a kind of a mall situation do i mean we could just put this whole thing it could just be setting a mall and then it's just a lot of different you have to go to aunt annie's and and untwist all the pretzels <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. I think if you can get Aunt Annie's involved in sponsoring this game, I think 100% yes. Uh, I think there should be some there should be some outdoor areas too because I mean cryptids are also known for, you know, wilderness stuff being in the mountains. I think you could 
do a a nice mixed open world where there is the like the mini mall area with the nice outdoor shopping plaza where they have a chipotle mm. and maybe a paper source and then <laughs> there are also the woods next door and maybe some interaction between those things i think you can do both yeah the amount of mayhem you could get up to in a paper source is is uncanny it's 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 <laughs> borderline a bull in a china shop style like the things that you could do oh the things that i would do to a paper source i think we're avoiding one of the important questions which is what cryptid is this are we drawing on an actual one or is this a fictional cryptid that has sprung up around the overdevelopment of like the midwestern slash appalachian area like what (laughs) what are we talking about here that's a really good question my my instinct is that if it's not a pre-existing cryptid, how will people know it is a cryptid and not just a monster? That would be my opening question. That said, mm. I mean, I think we could we could come up with our own cryptid, but we'd have to think about what things define a cryptid in order to sort of get get the boundaries over how we communicate to the audience that this thing is a cryptid. And we could just be lazy and be like, this is a cryptid game. So obviously you're playing as a cryptid. That's weak, Phil, and we can do better. (laughs) There's some, if you wanted to design an original cryptid, there's some shortcuts. I mean, large version of thing that exists in the wild, glowing red eyes, just throw a couple Mm -hmm. of, I think that that might be enough to communicate to the player. Um, I think there's also potential there for a very funny immediate name if it's, you know, like the... I was about to say the Spider-Man, but you can't call a cryptid the Spider-Man. I feel like that's not allowed. But hy- hypothetically, no, no. if it was if it was called like the Spider-Man of King of Prussia Mall, like I think as a name that immediately gets clicks on Steam. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm like, I would like to play that. That sounds incredible. Okay. I think that's... That's a really good concept. The, just the phrase, the Spider King of King, the Spider Man of King of Prussia Mall. I like Spider King. I think we Sp- lean into the Spider King. I think I think that's a good one. <laughs> I like Spider King too. Here's my question: Is what what is a Spider King as far as cryptids go? Because I was actually I was talking to my partner the other day because my partner lives in New York, and we were talking about how new york city has two native cryptids and it's the the rat king and the alligators in the sewer uh (laughs) and and i i proposed the inevitable uh gator king which is a bunch of gators that have had their tails tangled together all on the rat king uh so so that's that those that's the kind of romance talk i'm having in my day to day (laughs) uh would a spider what what parts of the spider would be tangled together in a spider king or is that just an an incidental name i thought that was an honorary title i didn't think it was descriptive i was just picturing like (laughs) a a spider that walks like a human and has a lot of appendages for causing uh large amounts of mayhem was my immediate thought okay kind of what what you're if what you're suggesting is a little bit of an octodad is it a little bit of an octodad Oh, I guess we don't need to lean into the whole, like, physics chaos simulator. I'm just picturing for, like, manipulation of tools. Like, this isn't, like, a hoofed creature. It just, it is able to pick (laughs) things up and move things around. Hooves are another classic cryptid feature. Okay. No, I like this. I like the idea of a cryptid in a trench coat, and it opens a trench coat, and it has has, uh, four extra arms in the inside because it is spider adjacent. Perfect. Uh, Are we, are we... 
Are we limiting our audience by having something that is such a known phobia as our main character? Ooh, or oh, that's a good do, point. Do we never actually see, like, is this a first person or a third person game? How do you actually see the Spider King? If it's a Zelda-like, I think it kind of has to be third person. I was picturing, like, top-down mm. walking around sort of a, like, grid-shaped mall area. Yeah, maybe Spider itself is too... Yeah, there are a lot of folks who are immediately turned off at the Spider stuff. But then you also do have, like, that game with the tank... Not tank. The train with the Spider legs. And I can't remember what that was called at the top mm. of my head. I can't I think, either, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. Like Choo Choo Charlie or something like that. Like, some name in that vein. That might be the exact name. Um, I think if we're making the Spider King, it can be like it can just being like a person with a lot of arms and like glowing red bug eyes and mandibles. And maybe that's enough. OK, something that airs a little bit more on the the human shapeliness rather than the spideriness. Yeah, exactly. We're not. It, it, I don't think you could look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that's a spider. Like you can look at it and be like, oh, no, that that is a man who is spider in quality. Okay. I spider like as an adjective. Yeah, spider as an adjective. Okay. And I mean the thing with the thing with cryptids is that it's all it's so they're so blurry and self-reported that it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not a spider, but you know, it's spider-like ish. If you saw it, you would think it's a spider. I think yeah. that's yeah, but big. But big though. <laughs> so one a question we've been dancing around that we haven't talked about. <laughs> Zelda games have combat. Who are we fighting against? When yeah. we go into Paper Source, is like, you know, a Marissa working <laughs> at Paper Source going to be fighting us off and we have to murder them? That doesn't seem in the spirit of this, like, flirty oh. romance adventure that we're trying to make. Yeah, that's a really good point. The Yeah, I guess... Combat is a pretty essential part of Zelda alikes. I'm trying to think of any Zelda alike in which there is not some notable amount of combat. Uh, but they're really, it is really kind of a fundamental part. Even the Breath of the Wild games, like those are very combat heavy. It's such an important part of the franchise. I mean, the answer is you are going to have to fight a lot of goats for sure. So that's one yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, you're you're killing goats. Yeah, you're out here killing goats for sure. Maybe it's okay if people can hurt you, but I feel like part of the cryptid mystique is that they always leave people who have witnessed it. So I almost wonder if maybe they can harm you, but your goal is just to, like, terrify and horrify them. Because <gasps> it's a game about love, so you're like a pacifist except for the goats, <laughs> which we'll, <laughs> we'll figure out later. Uh, but yeah, you're you're dedicated to not harming the human population but they yes because is that is that not the way with the security mall cops uh that they they can hurt you but you are not <laughs> allowed to hurt them uh yeah okay i think i think i like that where you have to you have to sort of in a non-aggressive non-destructive manner deal with the the i don't know the tommy that works at uh hot topic and yeah. so forth. I, I think as you unlock things in the game, I think instead of, you know, getting a larger sword or a slingshot, I think you're finding new human-specific ways to terrify people. I think you're leaning more into specific fears and horrors. <laughs> I think that might be the progression in this game, oh. is finding ways to tailor your uh, cryptid methods to what flies in Pennsylvania or whatnot. <laughs> uh, I feel Okay, I love that. I love the okay, I love the idea. You you said so many good things right now that just then fill and I'm like, well, how do I parse 
all of the good things that you just said. I'm going to start with, I love the idea of terror-based combat (laughs) where you are not trying to damage them. You are just trying to spook them. And I love that in a mall type situation because I feel like you're going to meet some people who are working at a mall or working in these outdoor spaces that you're going to, working in a park. Uh, And you're going to meet them and you're going to try to scare them. And they are going to be unfazed because they're like a park ranger and they have seen some park ranger stuff (laughs) that you don't even know about. You can't even comprehend what they have seen. A hundred goat carcasses in the rain. Uh, And then there will be others who will be like, you know, like if you 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 go to Claire. You go to you go to Claire who works at Claire's, and she is so spooked at a lot of stuff. She is not prepared to deal with any amount of giant spider cryptid terror. So I I like that, and and that'll progress obviously as you as you get further into the game. You're going to come up with people who have better coping mechanisms for cryptids. I I, th- I think that's also the dungeon progression. Is I think it starts out that you're going to like Claire's and doing stuff, and by the end, instead of going to Death Mountain, you're going to like Catoctin Mountain National Park, and they're like, yeah, big fucking deal. We've seen so many cryptids out here. What have you got to offer? <laughs> You're not even an upright ape-based cryptid. What are you? I'm sorry. You're like a spider? Okay. Come back to us. Come back to us when you've evolved your legend. Uh, I love that. Phil, we're making a good game. I, I, I think that, <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised, but I really like this concept. Yeah, I think we're also, we're not talking enough about the flirty aspect of this. I mean, we're saying like you're performing goals. And I mean, we, we kind mm. of want them to remain inscrutable, but I feel like you know, if our crypt, if the Spider King, the hero of this game, is possessed by this this undying kind of intense love for you know the Moon Spirit or whatever, like I'm trying to think of what tasks they're having to perform around this world and what's motive, what is motivating them, what are they going after? Yes, let's talk about the tasks. So, do we? I mean, do we want to say specifically that your cryptid is trying to romance the moon? I know I've said that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's funny and inscrutable enough that I kind of want to roll with it. Right. Like, I'm trying to think of like, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't have to. That's the point. It's a cryptid. Yeah. That's, that's in the word crypt. It's, like, no, it's fine. It's This is the century egg of it all. Okay, so you're trying <laughs> to romance the moon. What are what are some things? What does the moon like? What does what is the moon even into? I don't talk to the Tides? moon this much anymore, so I don't I don't know. This is a tough call. Yeah, I haven't talked to the moon since like high school, so I feel like what what they liked when I was in high school has got to be different. They've like, now. like they started a podcast. Uh, I don't really listen to like I don't. They're kind of doing their own thing. Yeah, like I'm subscribed to the podcast so that they're getting like my my weekly automatic downloads, but I don't ever listen to it, and I feel so bad about it um oh the moon i think maybe it's things that are important to the spider king rather than to the moon okay spider king a little bit self-involved okay no of course because the moon is the object of its affection but it doesn't it doesn't actually know much about the moon it doesn't know how to romance the moon it only knows how to give the moon what it itself wants this is a truly (laughs) tragic side of this romance phil i mean the game this is cutting ahead a little bit, but it has to end with the Spider King getting rejected, right? Like, I feel oh, yeah, like for sure. <laughs> that we kind of been leading to that. Yeah, I feel like that's been kind of like looming over this entire story. Yeah, I mean, how else are we going to get a sequel if Spider King <laughs> just gets his romance at the end? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Spider King of uh, King of Prussian Ball 2, Spider King doesn't get signals is the sequel. <laughs> 
Spider King friend zoned. Uh, <laughs> friend zoned by the moon. <laughs> um, wow, God, that really makes the Spider King. I mean, the Spider King was already sort of a tragicomic figure because when you're trying to romance the moon, you're going to get your heart broken anyway. But the idea that the Spider King only knows how to only knows how to romance the way it would want to be romanced is such an inherently tragic concept, but I think also <laughs> really accessible and really relatable, maybe to some people. Uh, okay, so what what would a spider king how would a spider king want to be romanced? Flies? Phil? <laughs> Is it flies? Oh, what do what do spiders want? I'm trying to figure out what would be a concrete thing you can do in a game as well. Like my immediate thought was like, oh, trapping things in a web, but like, how does that work? Are you mm-hmm. like going into the target in the mall? And like what what are you because like mm-hmm. for something like Untitled Goose Game, there's it's inherently just you're causing chaos and making things worse. With this, it's like you're trying to make or obtain things to offer. And I don't know what that would hmm. Well, if it it has to be something big, right? Like it has to, by definition, be something quite large to to reach the moon. And I think a, a spider king would have that sense of scale. So I'm thinking about like, are you trying to make a giant web, something that connects like this whole city? Uh, are you are you trying to capture some very large things in that? Are you trying to make like, is it possible you're you're trying to get things? to lure a bunch of humans into your giant web as part of the offering. I mean, then this can be a multi, multi-stage offerings, right? Maybe each level, quote-unquote level, is like a different kind of offering. So instead of a boss battle at the end of the, the level, it's like the quality of your offering to the moon. And it's a different kind of offering each time. Yeah, I I kind of like the idea, when you mentioned the giant web, I like the idea of each place you go, you are trying to find some other way to offer this place up to the moon, but also, like, almost in the way that, like, an open world game, you gain control of territories, where the idea, okay, I'm gonna go for a deep cut here, because this is how my brain works. Have you ever played Sim Ant? (laughs) No, Phil, I'm familiar conceptually with it, but I've never played it. Okay, so the main goal in Sim Ant is to eventually drive the humans out of the house. And you do that by slowly taking over plots of their oh. backyard. Like you start with like a plot in the backyard, then you get this corner, and eventually you move into the house. Okay. And I'm picturing a scenario where you're like trying to drive the. Again, we're playing on this theme of like development versus nature or whatever. And like maybe you are trying to terrify the people out as you are kind of taking control. I think you start by offering like, you know, you can, this target you can make into an offer in some way, then you expand that, you get into the woods, in the park, until you've kind of claimed this area and everyone there is horrified and this is your grand offering, is like this conceptual work of, hey, I'm babe, I made this entire town and region horrified and encased it in a spider web. <laughs> what do you think about that? That is so great because that that also tracks so well with a like Mothman-esque sort of cryptid myth where it's like it is actively terrorizing this entire town. So it's like very regionally specific, but also like really, really strong in that specific region. That is it, it's so so in of itself inherently crypt Kryptonian. <laughs> and so, so I, think- I, I I know we're setting up a sequel where 
you know, Spider King tries again. <laughs> but I kind of like this idea yeah. of maybe after all this happens, Spider King realizes, well, wait a second, like I've become a local legend and becoming satisfied with their own accomplishments. I sort of like this positive spin ending. And they're like, maybe I don't need to keep begging for the moon's favor. Oh, that I love that. Spider King self-actualizes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just happy trapping humans and that's like in a, a post, web. It's the post-credit scene. Exactly, yeah. It, the, it's the, the joy, the, the inherent the, joy. I don't play a lot of dating sims and visual novels, but I think it's what will be referred to as the true ending, perhaps. Well, yes. I love that. If you build, if you, okay, yes. If you build all of the, the tasks, if you do all of the, the levels to a certain amount of quality, then your reward is not the moon. You were never going to get the moon. Your reward is uh, that self-satisfied feeling when you yourself have done a project that you are proud of. And so that is how you get the true ending is by, uh, but it's still, it is still points-based because this is still a video game. <laughs> yeah, though I, I think maybe actually also ending that like maybe another cryptid comes in the area. And it's like, oh man, I should show this cryptid my stuff and like maintaining like the perpetual flirtatiousness of the spider king. What a fucking phrase I just said. The perpetual <laughs> fl flirtatiousness of the spider king <laughs> um i love that okay uh hold on i'm just making a note to myself perpetual flirtatiousness of the spider king <laughs> yeah i love i love at the end also a great setup for a sequel like at the very end it's like the the wombat duke <laughs> the grass the grasshopper uh prince shows up and the spider king's like oh maybe a more terrestrial love. I'm picturing um, like in the same in the same way that okay, we're thinking too far ahead. So I know you talked about like making an IP. I'm thinking franchise for this. My yes. immediate thought is the spin-off of this game is you do a hat of a boyfriend where it's <laughs> you play as the Spider King and there's you know like the grasshopper or wombat prince, but they're like turned into like Bishojo pretty boys, and like that's the other spin-off <sighs> game. Uh, and maybe the humans in that world are rendered as monsters instead. Uh, so I think this is how you keep spinning it as you Whoa. build out these characters in this universe. I, I think there's a franchise here. I think you're right. I think there's absolutely a whole franchise here. Uh, I guess here's here's the question, Phil, is what what would we name the first game and what what are we dubbing this entire franchise? Because it could just be the spider the franchise could be Spider King. That's yeah, I mean that's that's he's you know the main draw. It's like Yaku like okay, I haven't really played a lot of the Yakuza games, but at a certain point I don't know how much the I guess they're like a dragon now. They're not really they've renamed that series. That's not a very good comparison point. But I think <laughs> inevitably by like game six in the series, it has drifted away from the Spider King, but Spider King feels like a good brand name. Spider King, okay. I love I love the franchise the Spider King franchise. That you know what that gives me? That gives me Turnip Boy of Turnip Boy commits tax evasion mm, vibes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I really like. It's both it's both regal and silly, and I do feel like that's a cornerstone of this this whole franchise. And again, it's close enough to Spider-Man to not be infringing, but people kind of like laugh at it and like, oh, oh, what does that mean? And I think, yeah, I think that's that's a good draw. Okay. I love that for the franchise. What are we naming? this first game in the entry because we've said so many good things that would make great names i like this idea of leaning into the incongruity of the spider king and then like the human location that's being terrified but it has to be something like mm. wordy and recognizable that immediately causes that like reaction of like oh that's a funny thing why is the spider king there like we probably can't use the actual <laughs> king of prussia mall but something like that like mm. the whatever municipal district like something like something in that direction Okay, I so so something like the Spider King 
of King of Prussia Mall that is not King of Prussia Mall. Exactly. Yeah. Something like that, though. I, I think we'd have to define a very specific place where it's taking place, but something suitably mundane like that, that doesn't make a great deal of sense with the Spider King. Okay. I like that. I think I think the Spider King of blank mall feels like the, uh, the a strong and catchy option. What are, Phil, what are some good names for malls? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be asked this when I came to this podcast. I didn't research malls. I'm going to make a quick tangent, though, and say that one of my favorite things on the internet is a fan wiki that somebody is running where they are making directories for hundreds or thousands of fake malls that don't exist. And I feel like, me, me, yeah, it's it's alarming. Uh, but I feel like that's the kind of thing we're like, yeah, they probably have some good structure. Maybe we can bring them in as consultants to figure out what to call the mall in this game. <laughs> I feel like there's something, something valley. I feel like there's a lot of malls with that name. I, I can see something like that. I mean, we could just, we could just rip off oh, the yeah. King of Prussia because there is something very satisfying about the phrase King of Prussia mall that is also grandiose and, and regal. But I guess we already have King in the, in the title, but it could be like the Spider King of the Prince of Toronto mall. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I feel like I need to search for mall names right now and figure out, like, hey, Google, what are what are names of malls? I did Google good mall names. Uh, <laughs> okay. I found a good mall name. It is a non-existent mall, but it was called Heart of Huntsville Mall. Ooh. And I think this might be a good option because it kind of gets at, it kind of hints at the overall sort of purpose of the Spider King's endeavors. I feel like having something that having having a mall that hints at that would be a nice way of kind of tying that concept in. So it doesn't have to be Huntsville, but like heart heart of heart of heart of space mall. That's nothing, <laughs> but something like that. I- I like the alliteration. I mean, is if the trademarks have expired, you can probably use Heart of Hartsville Mall and make it into a period piece, honestly. Oh, I mean, I'm this if if this is being set in any kind of mall, it almost has to be an 80s 90s period piece. That's true. We don't want them going around a dead mall. Yeah. No. I think that could work. I think using an act the I mean, probably wouldn't you know, like Huntsville or something like instead of Hearts oh, Heart you What did you say Heart of Heart I said Heart of Huntsville, but I think you said Heart of Hartsville, yeah, which, which I, I actually also love. Yeah, it's I kind of like that because it both is incongruous and also is like in that really kind of too romantic, aggressive, like enemy <laughs> dating sim energy where it's the names are, you know, like love attack, panic at high school, love romance. T-. Like it's like, yeah, like saying heart slightly too much. <laughs> yes, I love that. OK, so <laughs> so let me read this back to you, Phil. The Spider King of Heart of Hartsville Mall. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> oh, but you're also losing the mundane factor, but it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I like Heart of... We could do Heart of... Yeah. Heart of Hopesville. Oh, I like that. Heart of Hopesville Mall. Yeah. That's catchy. That's the Spider Solid. King of Heart of Hopesville Got the alliteration. Mall. It's a real mouthful, Phil. <laughs> Any 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 publisher we pitch this to, they're going to have comments on the name and the length of the name. They're not visionaries, Jenna. That's the problem. That's true. They and they're they're going to try to clamp down on our vision, but our vision is perfect. <laughs> it's <laughs> set in a Midwest mall in the '90s. Let's pin down a couple of the specific tasks. 
that you have to do in Spider King. Uh, it doesn't have to be create a pile of 100 ho- goat carcasses, although that would be a really great way of driving out the people from a target if it, <laughs> I, ju- if I, it happened, if there happened to be a pile of goat carcasses. I think that's an ongoing quest, I think, is the establishment of the goat carcasses. Okay. I think in a lot of cases, you may be trying to uh, collect other items to turn into some sort of offering. Uh, I think in other places you are trying to drive people out, and those might be, instead of boss battles, it's like, you know, uh, sort of like the horde mode type things where, like, the security guards come at you and you're trying to terrify them in different ways around the mall. Like, I think maybe the maybe the target oh. you're not trying to get something out of, maybe you're just trying to drive them out so you can take control of the target. Uh, I think it's a combination of things like that. Okay. I feel like that's what you're pitching is almost a tower defense level where you are trying to scare people out of a location. Interesting. Or maybe it's the opposite of a tower defense level, where you are trying to get into a well-defended area. I I think it would be an opposite tower defense. I'm picturing what would happen in, like, the horror movie on the other side of this, where, like, this weird creature comes in and they keep going further and further back until they're in, like, the security area in the back with a gun trying to shoot you or something. And it's forcing them out. Like, I'm picturing another location would be, like, a used car lot or something, which would have a lot of interesting areas to walk around and, like, slowly going into the showroom and forcing people out. And maybe at the end, you, like, string up a car in a giant web. And that's your accomplishment. And it's like, check it out, Moon. Isn't it hot? Doesn't this, like, you know, 2004 Honda, like, you know, Civic strung up (laughs) on a tree, doesn't it get you going? (laughs) <laughs> the moon's like, nah, not really. I'm not that into cars. <laughs> I think he, I feel like we never hear from the moon. The moon just never responds or acknowledges us. Oh, yeah. I think over the course of the game. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree. There should be absolutely no indication of whether or not the moon has any sentience or is even seeing or not. Like the moon is just the moon. <laughs> period. <laughs> I love it. I love the idea of a target opposite tower defense level being towards the end because it feels like the 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 thing with cryptid myths is that they they start out uh, as being like, I thought I saw something weird, but I'm not really sure. And then sort of things escalate from there. So it feels like the first couple should be on the the outer perimeter of Hopesville. And it they should be really drive-by, like not 100% certain what I saw sort of things. So I think the target opposite tower defense is later. So this is kind of an opposite of what we mentioned earlier, where it's the park rangers are like the most experienced. But I think what happens is you just build mm. that into the narrative where the park rangers get driven out and they're like, I've seen this before. I don't know why they talk like a sea captain, but they're like, I've seen this yeah. before. I know how this works. That's the spider king of the hills. And uh, warning the townspeople. <laughs> I think you have to conceptualize the horror movie, ha- like the eight-legged freaks horror movie happening on the other side of the story, Ooh. where they come out of the woods and they inform people and the town gets more and more prepared for what's coming. Yes. No, I love that as the arc, as sort of the structural arc, and also the thing that kind of clarifies why things are getting more difficult in that that t- traditional video game kind of arc, where it's like, things are going to get more difficult because more people are going to be aware of you and about they're better able to identify you. Probably there's a mechanic where you have to get better at like disguising yourself so maybe you start off with you're you're just the spider king and then later you have to get like a trench coat and then later you've got to get a big hat 
Oh, is there <laughs> like, like a Gerudo Valley scenario where you have to dress up as a human and like interact with the humans? And they're like, how are you doing? Yes. And you're like, I'm great. I was just like laying a thousand eggs. Like, what are you talking about? And you say, I don't know. And then you walk <laughs> away like some some scenario like that to infiltrate your way into some human establishment. Yes. I love the idea that one of the levels is like even more visual novel where it is just you are like actively interacting with people. But the dialogue option the game gives you are all from the from the perspective of the spider king so they're they're none of them none of them are good and do you as a human know <laughs> well i can't i can't tell i can't tell uh this uh wetzel's pretzels vendor i can't say to them i just spewed a bunch of liquid from my butt and build a house from it but i only have two options and it's that or i just laid a thousand eggs and what do i say to this yeah. person at this moment it's like there's no good option you're cryptid i think that's also where you build in some of the narrative where it's like oh yeah i really love the moon and they're like oh yeah the moon is so pretty and you're like i would do anything for her and they're like excuse me like i think maybe you get a little more explicit about it in this the stealth blending in quest segment I love that. I think yeah. that's your. I think in that one you're going into a community event at the local library. I think Ooh. is that quest. Oh, I love that. What? Okay, okay. What are you doing at the library? Because my my hum, my faulty human instinct is you go to the library to figure out what the moon likes because you don't know anything about the moon and you're trying to read up on her. But that's that's a that's a a basic boring normal human answer. What is the Spider King doing at the library? I think there's I think we we run with this. I think there's a book talk happening at the library and it's someone who's written a book about like astronomy and trips to the moon or something and you're like, "Oh, moon person, I must acquire them." And so your goal is to go there and get information but also maybe abduct this person and <gasps> try to blend into the humans. It's an astronaut and the the astronaut has met the moon. So so Spider King's like, "Oh, you're friends with the moon." They have touched the face of the moon. That's a big deal. You've never met anyone shoes. who has like caressed the moon's face. Like that's incredible. <laughs> the moon, I got your ex, this astronaut. <laughs> oh okay. I love that. I love that con conceptualizing that the relationship with the moon is Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, all right, so you're kidnapping an astronaut at the library, obviously. Obviously, that totally makes sense. And I think you're talking with other people at the event. They'll, like, chat you up, like, oh, why, why are you here? Oh, you're interested in the subject? And, uh, oh, the app, you know, they had the, the little tray of, like, you know, veggies and hummus. This is pretty great. And you're like, oh, actually, I prefer goat intestines. And you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> yes, and it's all about you've got to mingle to get closer to the astronaut. But this is also a late game quest where the library, actually, this this is earlier, I was going to say, because the, it's easier to blend in because the public librarians are not phased by this shit. Like, public librarians <laughs> see so much shit in their life. Yes, they they are just like, yes, the least phased by the cryptid. You can say whatever bonkers stuff you want to the librarians, and they're just like, yeah, so did you need me to find a book on that subject? Or, okay, <laughs> yep, this, the talk is down that way. Have fun. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the un, unflappable librarian is a great character. Um, God, okay. Phil, I feel incredible. I feel so good about the Spider King of Heart the Spider King of Heart of Hopesville Mall. Oh my God. <laughs> Why did we name it that, Phil? Phil, I feel great about the Spider King of Heart of Ho Hopesville Mall. <laughs> I think it would sell at least twelve copies. Yes, I think so too. 
Is it the century egg that you were hoping for? I'm going to say that it's not, but I think that also itself lends century egg-like qualities to it. Um, I will say in my recent game playing experience, like I've been trying to, you know, play some things I haven't done before. And I tried playing a Persona game for the first time and it wasn't for me, uh, but I came away like, okay, I kind of know what this is now. I've given it a couple hours. I get the idea of the experience. Uh, I, I feel like I would feel the same way if I myself played the Spider King game. And I think that is what I'm looking for in experience. Like, I think if we're talking about my ideal game, it's some, like, weird, fucked up, like, psychological mist-like game. But I think in terms of, like, no, this is something, this is an unusual experience somebody made outside of my usual comfort zone that I'll play for a couple hours and then be kind of confused by. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this fits the bill of what I'm looking for. Okay, kind of a no-be-no-be boy situation, maybe, where it's, like, kind of, kind of... Perplexing, but you enjoy the experience of that perplexingness. I'm glad I played it, I think is what I'm going for. And actually, that matches pretty well to when I played How to Full Boyfriend. I felt it's like, this isn't for me, but okay, I, I get it now. I get it. <laughs> uh, incredible. Phil, do you have anything to plug? Uh, not really. Uh, I guess just if you're interested in non-moon-related video game history, uh, follow the Video Game History Foundation. We're everywhere at Game History Org is our name on a lot of platforms. Uh, hopefully in the next, you know, period of time, uh, we will be launching our digital library, which will have all sorts of cool materials I've been processing that I cannot wait to share. Uh, nothing, no, actually there is some Spider-Man stuff in there, so we have some stuff in that vein. Uh, but otherwise, I have things in the works that are, you know, gonna take a while, so for now I say... Check out Video Game History Foundation and support the work we're doing. Yeah, and uh, for the audience, you might remember a while back there was a, a really big, uh, important study that came out that suggested that something like, you'll know the percentage better than I do, but like a significant percentage of games have not been archived or are not, not lo no longer playable in any sort of way. Uh, and that was y'all, right? Yeah, it's 87% of classic games aren't on the commercial market. So the only ways to get them now are to like spend $1,000 on eBay or go to an archive that does have them and sit down in person or just pirate it. And so we're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we improve the copyright situation so this is better for everybody? Uh, so we've got, we're going to be like, petitioning the copyright office in the next year. So I'm going to have to Whoa. put on a suit and show up to like hearings and stuff. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That's really exciting. I Yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I know so many people heard about that study, but very few people knew that it's the Video Game History Foundation are the ones who did that study and are, are now doing this work. So y'all should check them out and support them. I, I specifically was the author of that study. So now in my published works, I can include uh, this foundational study on video game preservation and the uh, pitch doc for Spider King of Heart <laughs> of Hopesville Mall. <laughs> Your two most defining career uh, uh, creations. Gotta have balance. Phil, what's one word, adjective, gameplay type, premise, etc. that you want added to the ingredient list? Ooh, well, I think I mentioned it earlier. Uh, in terms of game genre, I want to add mist-like. I think that's one that people don't think about a whole lot. I think you could force people to think about very different gameplay types that way. I love that. I definitely played Miss, yeah, kind of. I don't know. I didn't play Miss like how Miss was meant to be played when I was young, but I did play Mist in the way that I thought you played Mist. I think it'll be interesting if other folks did it, and it's like, well, what do you remember Mist being? Make a game based around that idea. I think that itself might be interesting. So I think Phil, that is a great addition. Thank you for joining me, Jenna Stever and Phil Salvador, on this 
uh, episode of Big Game Hunger. And don't forget to wishlist uh, the Spider King of Heart of Hopesville Mall on Steam. Release date TBD. Thank you. Goodbye.